you're in the jam trying to support your personal feeling. So when we read one verse or we start to memorize one verse, we have to take it in context of where it's at in this. Uh, For example, when we look at today's passage in Philippians 4, verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. Put in everything by prayer and supplications with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Amazon had put out that this is the most underlined passage in the Bible, in their e-books. And it deals with anxiety and fear and how much we're so worried about all this. Larry Crabb and Jay Adams, and their, uh, their leaders in Christian counseling, and both of their introduction to Christianity, Christian counseling make reference to this particular verse. This verse and one other, and it's Romans 12, 1 and 2. Now listen how this says. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by, now listen to this, by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove the, what the will of God is, and which is a good and acceptable, perfect. And then there's a third verse that we're going to mention a little bit later. Now, for example, when we look at the, the context of the book, we start with the verse, then we go to the passage, then we go to the entire book. Now, Philippians, four chapters, really hard. You can sit down in about 30 minutes, read the entire book. Great book. It's known if you read it and you look in the front, you know, your study Bible, and it says that uh, Philippians, theme of the book, unity. 18 times in the book of Philippians, we're, taught, we're called to joy or to rejoice. And that's true. That is a good theme in the book, and that's an important part of it. We as Christians should rejoice in the Lord. We should find unity in the church. How? How? Rejoice in the Lord. Okay, great. How do I do that? (laughs) Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones in his book, Called to Joy, spends a lot of time talking about how it's joy, but he said the most important part about being called to joy is your attitude. Your attitude about being called or being useful. As I began to study this, uh, the pastor sent out an email to the three, uh, the three staff members and said, uh, yeah, I want you to preach, but I want you to translate this from the Greek and do the work. And uh, you know that physician heal thyself? That was what was coming true with me because uh, I hadn't really done any Greek work in about 10 years. So as I started transfer, uh, translating all this, I'm going, holy smokes, what is this about? As I read that, and I've asked other people, they read this passage and they say, well, to be happy, I need to pray more. Isn't that? Sure. To be happy as a Christian, got to pray more. Got to be thankful more. I think, nah, there's a little bit more to be happy in this. 
Let's take a look at the entire book. Let's, let's stop just for a minute. Let's look at the entire book about this. For example, Philippians 1, 6. For I am confident at this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ. Do you see what Paul's saying here? To be confident in the Lord. Look again in Philippians 1, 27. Only conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear what you're doing, standing firm in one spirit. Again, Paul encouraged them to stand firm. Then we look at chapter 2. This is, man, this is one of the most important Christological statements in the entire Bible. You see that Paul starts off here, and he starts with the person of Jesus Christ, and he says, Look at the attitude of Christ. Jesus, who was God, came down and was born in a cave, beaten and murdered and hung on a stake, on a, on a cross. And then said, and though he was equal with God, he didn't see it as something to be grasped after. But then he goes on and says, he starts talking about these other two guys. There's Timothy and the one that everybody has a problem saying, Ephroditus. He looks at Timothy and says, look at Timothy. Look at the attitude of Timothy. Timothy is serving me almost as a, as a son serves a father. And then he says, look at Ephroditus. Ephroditus was from Philippi. And he was one of them. So they knew him. He says, look at even your own Ephroditus. He came to me. He was serving the Lord in such a spirit. He was so sick that he almost died, and I had to send him back to you. Then we go into chapter 3. Paul stops. He says, just those guys. But look at me. I, born of the tribe of Benjamin, a Jew of Jews. I've been trained by Gilgamel. I was circumcised on the eighth day. If anybody's got somebody to brag about, it's me. But he comes up and he says this little thing. I count it all as filthy rubbish. Now, if I get going into this, I need to tell you, Kentucky ease, fretting, anxiety mean, or being afraid is fretting. So if I slip into that, I'm sorry. But if, if you start fretting, uh, so if you didn't know that, <laughs> But so, and then we get into chapter four, and I love this. Look in chapter four, verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. In the Greek, always means always. In the Hebrew, always means always. Now, on November 7th, 1988, I sat up in our office with Brother Gary, and he told me about this Jesus gig. And I become a Christian that day. If Gary would have told me that my sons would get sick, that I'd lose jobs, I'd be treated terribly by other Christians, that I would have to struggle and suffer all that I have. I might not have been so down with this Jesus bit. 
But now that I'm on this side of it, God is so good. Because if it weren't for Christ in my life, I couldn't rejoice in it. Even in the saddest times of life, we need to find the Spirit to rejoice. And it's all in your attitude and the way that you think about it. For example, let's look at being anxious. This word here, in the, in the light of it, says in the, in the ESV, as I'd already shared, be anxious about, do not be anxious about anything. Other versions say, don't worry about anything. Others say, be careful about nothing. <laughs> I want you to, as I started thinking about this, Paul says here, be anxious about nothing in this world. That's what it actually means is, don't worry about things of this world. And then, it, I know this is not going to mean anything to y'all, but it, it's a, a present. Let me look at this. It was really impressive when I found it. When it's wrote, it's in a, pre, a present imperative. And, and that word, it, does, it means exactly this. Present, right now. An imperative, it's a command. Right now, stop it. Stop worrying about everything. God's got the thing, everything under control. Remember Bob Marley? Everything's going to be all right. Christ is in charge no matter how much that we want to be. Now, I'm taking nine people that I love very dearly to Uganda. I love them. One of them is my wife. I really have to love her. <laughs> and there's communication from here to Uganda can be kind of challenging. I mean... <laughs> they're out in the middle of Lake Victoria and service is not like it is here. It's like having Sprint and Morrow. It just doesn't work. <laughs> and I really started getting anxious and I, I was speaking with a friend of mine and he goes, Anthony, read Philippians 4, 6. Now, if he was standing in front of me, I probably would have punched him in the nose because I was studying this particular passage at that very time. See, this was not by an accident that I would have to be preaching about Philippians 4.9 because I was really getting anxious about taking nine people who I care about very much to a country that's very desolate and it may not be easy to travel. And God spoke to this person to remind me, be anxious for nothing. Now, again, we like looking at this and saying, oh, so we got to pray, we got to pray. But do you really believe in prayer? Remember the attitude thing? Pray. There was a church in Kentucky. They had been a big drought for a long time. And they said, well, we're going to have to have a prayer meeting. Now, back in the olden days in church, we used to get people together to pray. And they said, we're going to have a prayer meeting, and we're going to pray for rain. Well, everybody was scurrying into the church trying to get in there because it's prayer meeting time. And this one little girl come toting in an umbrella. And some of the old church members, I say old, I don't mean age, but been around a while, started snickering and laughing at the little girl. I said, honey, why you bring that umbrella? The little girl simply replied, we are praying for rain, aren't we? Lord, I'm so hurting right now. 
I don't know what's going to happen with my job. I don't know if we're going to make the bills meet. Lord, I'm worried about our church. I don't know what's going to happen. Not to be too cliche, I don't know about tomorrow. But I do know who has tomorrow. If we're really praying, why should we be so anxious? If we really believe that Christ is who he says he is, why do we love to worry? See, fretting or being afraid is a kinship to the anxiety, to be anxious. But for a Christian, to be anxious to be afraid is simply to say that you've got more faith in the devil than you do Christ. Do you hear me, church? When we pray, are, are we the church member that laughs at the little girl who comes praying for rain? Or do we really become like that little girl and say, Lord, I know that you want to help me. <laughs> uh, I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember this, but back in the day, uh, there were Converse. And we, <laughs> uh, I went and I told my mom, I said, Mom, I want a pair of these blue suede Converse. They were so cool. Now, I know Ronnie remembers them because he had some too. But I told Mom, they're only $20. Now, some of you all thinking, $20, that ain't bad. Remember, when my mom would feed our family, it would cost $35. Now, my mom loved me. She loved me a lot. So I knew mom was going to give me those, those blue suede converse. And my mom, after she'd come down off the ceiling and I told her I wanted a $20 pair of sneakers, she said, Anthony, you can have those. You can go bale hay. You can go cut grass. Or you can go down to your sister's in Kentucky and, and work in the tobacco fields and make your $20 and you can go buy you a pair of sneakers. <sighs> Do you believe a mother would be so unloving? It was only $20. That was almost all it took to feed our family for a week. See, that's the same way it is with, with God. We go to God and we say, God, I need this. I want this. And that's not a bad thing to say, God, this is what I want. People have asked me, Dr. A, how do I know what I'm praying about is of God? My reply is often this. Can you take no for the answer? Is what you're asking for, for God's glory or your comfort, and are you willing to give it away? Whatever you ask God for, are you willing to give it away? I want to ask you, if we could really come to God and we ask him and say, God, I'm so nervous. Are you really willing to give that away, to give it to God? I want to look at just a little bit more. If we start looking at some of the things that, that Paul writes about here, about a spirit of, of thankfulness. Christendom, uh, an early church father, wrote that comfort, it's comforting to know that the Lord is at hand. Here is a medicine to relieve grief in every bad circumstance, in every pain. What is it? To pray with thanksgiving in everything. 
There was a woman had three sons, and, and this is a true story. Uh, it was on Focus on the Family on Dr. James Dobson. Uh, he had her on an interview, and she said that her first son was killed on a bicycle on a corner near where they lived. Shortly thereafter, her second son was killed on the same corner. And then the third son, same corner. And she said this prayer is what got her through a lot of this. Lord, thank you for everything you've given me. Everything you've taken from me. And everything you've left me with. That's a spirit of thankfulness. Of knowing at the end, God is there. The biggest force behind everything we know and everything we have, and Paul stresses it so much in this little book called Philippians, is our attitude towards God. Too often we look at God and say, God, this is what I want. You're the genie. You're the the vending machine in the sky. But he's not. God's God. And we're here to serve and to glorify God in everything that we do. God doesn't owe us anything (laughs) that we act like it. I shared with you about how we are to be anxious about nothing. Then I shared with you about the the Romans 12. But that's the troubles. That's where we're getting in trouble. Now the how comes in Philippians 7, 8, and 9. See, when we start finding and we're being grateful about all these things that God has given us, we accomplish and we see that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then, listen, this is the part. Now, when we get too much time, this is where we get in trouble. When we get too much time, I call it when you're thinking, start stinking. We sit and we worry about all these things and we start running our hands. Look what Paul says here in in 8 and 9. Whatever is, it says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, dwell on these things. You ever had an argument with somebody? And after you, you walked away, you said, oh, I should have said, and I should have said, oh, oh, this would have zinged them. Yeah. You sit and you mull it over. What good does that do you? What good does that do your relationship? Instead of that, what if you started thinking about whatever was good, whatever was lovely? How many people have held a baby Group participation, it's okay. All right, everybody's been in an argument before. Can you be angry at somebody while you're holding the baby? No. 
That's the perfect concept. Every one of you started smiling because you saw the oxymoron in that. How can you be angry when you're holding something so precious? That's the idea. Start thinking about the things that are lovely, of good repute, whatever's honorable. Whenever you're starting, depression is real. I deal with it. Whenever you start your thinking, start stinking, go to this passage. Now, I want to encourage all of you to write, if, <laughs> assuming that you have a Bible with you that you can actually write in and not a tablet or your phone, but write these three verses down, honestly. You need to change the way that you think. Because often we think, how can I win when it's not about you? Change your way that you think about thinking about the things that are honorable and good and lovely. This week, I ask you to memorize this verse. I know it's kind of hard. You're saying, well, one verse, dude, you just gave me about five. But if you think about this, don't worry. Be anxious for nothing. But in prayer, request, supplications, that's your needs, with thanksgiving, being grateful for whatever you have, make your request known to God. Memorize that. And that will be the diving board where God can use to remind you that you have to change the way that you think. Now, there's some of you here today that don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. This means nothing to you. You probably think, man, dude, I want some of that. Because right now, my, stinking, my thinking is really stinking. Right now, you have to do one thing first. Acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Savior. As a Christian, you're still going to have hassles. But I promise you, in the valley, you'll have somebody with you. And that'd be Jesus Christ. David wrote in Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of death, shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. To have a shadow, you need light. And Jesus Christ is the light. This morning, as soon as you hear the first song, the first note, if you're here to accept Jesus Christ, there'll be deacons standing here. Be glad to share it with you. If you don't want to do that, Pastor Brent will be out the back. If you don't want to talk to him, I'll be glad to share with you how to accept Christ, how to, how to follow Christ. Friends, there is nothing more important than making sure you know Jesus Christ. You join me in prayer, please. Father, as we come before you, Lord, I just bless you and I praise your name. I thank you for the truth that you've given us, that we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to worry. For you are our Savior, our King, the risen Lord. Lord, let this time be for you and for your glory. For I ask this in Christ's name.